Luis Urias seems to be a little bit more complete of a hitter. He might not be the wild card that Orlando RC was. He seems to be a, possibly a more complete player. Okay, I'll admit it. Fine. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. My internal schedule, like uh, the way I'm keeping time, uh, my routine, completely thrown out of whack. I'm all over the place. I thought today was Monday, like four or five different times, because we didn't have a show yesterday, right? The Brewers played late in the afternoon. They're on the West Coast, so an afternoon game on the West Coast means like three o'clock for us. So completely covered up the Wisco Sports Show, which gave me a day off. I'm not going to complain about that. Had an extra easy work day yesterday, but it threw my schedule all out of whack. I didn't know what to do with myself. Last night, there were no Brewers on, no Bucks on, so I ended up, I worked out last night. I lifted weight. I had a, a, a dumbbell in my hand. A barbell? A dumbbell? I don't, whichever. The, the weights. I lifted weights last night. That's how out of sorts I was. I watched a hockey game last night. I watched the Blackhawks. And I watched the Cubs play the Mets. It was all, I had no idea what to do with myself yesterday. No idea whatsoever. I thought it was Monday three different times today. But it's Thursday, which I guess is a pleasant surprise that I remember every single time. So no Wisco Sports Show yesterday, which means we have double the content for today, right? Twice the amount of things to talk about, twice the topics, and it's Earth Day. Not that we're really going to talk about that, but happy Earth Day. Love our planet. Don't litter. I'm sure you've heard it already today. It's the Wisco Sports Show, and my name is Grant Bills. Happy Earth Day. Happy Brewers Sweep the Padres Day as well. The Brewers have won three in a row, beating up on the, the San Diego Padres of all teams without really any of their big bats. So that's been fantastic. We can talk about that today. We're going to dig into that. I also am uh, trying to follow through on a promise that I made earlier this week to talk a little bit more about the Packers. I did some some introspection, some self-reflection. I looked inward, and I don't think we're talking about the Packers enough. I think if you were to listen to sports shows around the state right now, I'm, I'm probably talking less Packers than anybody else. Sue me, okay? I get excited about the Brewers. I'm not really excited about the Bucks at the moment, but that's not the point. At least they're interesting to talk about. I, I don't know what to say about the Packers draft. I'm not really a draft guy, but dang it, I'm going to try. So we're going to talk Packers, and we're going to talk draft coming up at 4.30. We'll talk Bucks at 5.30. Your input, your comments, your arguments, welcome from now until 6 o'clock on the talk and text line, 608-796-2558. You can tweet at me as well, at Wisco Grant. Thomas, as he sometimes likes to do, first in the door, texts in and says, hey, let's have a great show. Happy Friday, Junior, Thomas says. Well, Thomas, thank you for reaching out. Speaks volumes, I think, that you text in before we even get to content, which means that you are a a true fan of the show. You're a true fan and friend of me that you would text in before I've even posed a topic of conversation. Thank you, Thomas, for reaching out. You can be like Thomas and reach out. Call, text, 608-796-2558. We are going to get into Packers. We're going to get into Bucks. A couple of different things today. But I, I'm going to start with the Brewers, okay? Like, I'm sorry. I'm excited about the Brewers right now. I'm enjoying the Brewers right now. And they're the one team in this state that isn't wearing me down every day with crushing playoff expectations. Do you know how hard it is to be a Bucks fan right now? And don't get me wrong. I love having Giannis on the team. I love being a contender. I love having a nice new stadium. And I love that the Bucks are going to have an opportunity to go to the finals. But do you know how crushing it is every single day 
walking around with the expectations of, of championship or bust on your shoulders, that means chances are this season's going to be a failure. That sucks. That's no way to live. The Packers are another example. It's been Super Bowl or bust ever since, what, 2010? And they've busted every single year. The Packers and the Bucks crushing expectations. And I don't mean they are crushing expectations. I mean their expectations are literally crushing the life out of me. Coach Bud and Mike Pettin and terrible defenses and terrible special teams. And, oh, my God, they drafted Jordan Love. I can't, I can't do it. Sorry that the Brewers are the one team in the state that I can just kind of enjoy. They're winning, and that's great. And that, I, I don't have World Series expectations. So we can truly enjoy the ride, which is typically an expression that I hate, but I actually think it applies for this specific 2021 Brewers team. And I'm enjoying watching them. They just got done sweeping the Padres. That's quite the week Brewers fans have had, dating back all the way to last week. I mean, think about it. Emotional, climatic series against the Cubs, right, where you have the Wilson Contreras incident where he gets hit by a pitch, takes exception, and then the bench is clear, and then they throw Brandon Woodruff and tempers are flaring, and then the Brewers come back in the third game of the series and take the rubber match. And yeah, 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 yeah. Right, very satisfying. And then over the weekend, they kind of let us down a little bit, playing the lowly Pirates. And they, they couldn't even win two of three. Now, they didn't look terrible in that series, and they're dealing with injuries. And, you know, you flip a coin, that game goes slightly differently on Sunday, and they could win two out of three. And, you know, we're talking about, what, four or five straight series victories. But they lose two or three over the weekend. Slightly disappointing, but not the end of the world. And then, and then, starting Monday and concluding yesterday, a three-game set in San Diego. And this series is kind of where the rubber hits the road, right? Pitching, st- uh, pitching staff is off to an historical start. Right, the offense has managed to stay afloat without some big at bats. This kind of this kind of felt like the test, right? It's like, okay, well, Burns and Woody have been good, but it's been against the Cubs, who aren't very good offensively. Although they had a great night last night, it's against the Pirates, who aren't very good, right? How good are Burns and Woody? Let's see. We'll see when they go to San Diego. And what about that offense? Sure, they're getting by without Yelich and Kane and Wong, but can they continue to get by? Against the Padres? We'll see. We'll see. And I think a lot of people were kind of skeptical and hesitant, waiting to see how the San Diego series went. And the Brewers won all three. Because why not? The Brewers swept the Padres, the much-improved Padres, who are now projected to win 93-plus games. The Padres team is really, really good. Talk about championship aspirations, right? They have expectations of making the World Series and winning their division. And that's the team the Brewers just swept. Now, let's say... You had no context. You had no... You, you didn't watch the Brewers at all so far this year, right? So the Brewers right now are 11-7, and seven, and you haven't seen any of these 16 games. Haven't watched them all. And I came up to you on the street and said, hey, you, guess what? Our Milwaukee Brewers, they just swept the Padres. How crazy is that? Oh, that's pretty impressive. The Padres are a good team, and I, Brewers are a good team, but that's really, really impressive. And if you had no context of what was going on in the moment with the Brewers right now, who was healthy, who was injured, who's playing well, who's playing poorly. If you had no background, and I told you that the Padres got swept by the Brewers, you'd probably make a couple of assumptions, right? Probably make a couple of guesses as to how it happened, what went into the Brewers sweeping the Padres. You would probably guess that on the pitching side of things, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, yeah, they they really, really performed. They pitched like the aces that they are. And then Josh Hader was there to slam the door at the end of the game, right? You'd probably assume that. You'd probably guess that. And you'd be right, right? Brandon Woodruff took game one of the series, six innings, only one hit, one earned run, and it came in the first inning on a ground out, seven strikeouts. He was great. He was awesome. 
And then on on that game, Brandon Woodruff, you know, leading the charge with the entire staff, I think, what was it, a, a two-hitter they threw? He was great. So Brandon Woodruff pitched like an ace. So did Corbin Burns, who pitched game two. Six innings, four hits, which is terrible by Burns standards. That's his worst outing of the year. Zero earned runs, 10 strikeouts. So number one, number two, Woody and Burns were great, and then Josh Hader slammed the door in the first game and in the third game of the series. He wasn't needed in game two. The Brewers won six to nothing. So if I were to tell you that the Brewers swept the Padres and you had no context whatsoever, you'd probably think, okay, well, pitching, Burns and Woodruff and Hader, they all did their job. Yes, you're right. Yes, that's correct. But offensively, I bet you'd make a couple of assumptions too, a couple of guesses. You'd probably assume that Christian Yelich had a great series, playing like an MVP. You probably guessed that Kane and Wong were getting on base and they were active and they were hitting the ball well. And you probably also guessed that Keston Hero was producing runs. He was driving in runs. Unlike common sense assumptions about the pitching, uh, the first guess about the offense, uh, that would not be the case. The Brewers scored between these three games, three runs in game one, six runs in game two, and four runs yesterday to win four to two yesterday. In game one, those three runs came by the way of three solo shots from Luis Urias, Billy McKinney, and Tyrone Taylor. Okay. So no Yelich, no Kane, no no Hira. In game two, the Brewers scored six runs. Another home run from Billy McKinney. RBI base hits from Shaw and Narvaez. And a solo shot from Jace Peterson. Look at that. Okay. Yesterday, the Brewers scored four runs. Jace Peterson had another solo shot and an RBI single. And Omar Narvaez hit a two-run dong. Okay. So throughout the 13 total runs scored over the last three days, here's how the RBIs shook out. Narvaez had four. Peterson had three. Did Jace Peterson have more RBIs in the last three games than he's had hits over the rest of his Brewers career? I'm not sure. Something that I didn't have time to look into today, but it's got to be close. Jace Peterson had three RBIs of the 13 total runs that the Brewers scored against the Padres. Billy McKinney and Travis Shaw both had two RBIs apiece. Tyrone Taylor and Luis Urias both had one RBI apiece. I say all that to say this. The great value version of the Brewers' offense just swept the Padres, who are a really, really good team. Like, you you go to the store, and you see, like, you say you go c- cereal shopping. It's like, I want some Captain Crunch. Okay. Oh, the big box of Captain Crunch is like five bucks. I wonder if they have the generic brand. You know, the box that's labeled, like, yellow and red crunchy cereal. That's the, That was the... The version of the Brewers offense that we got the last three days. That batting order is full of stock players that you would find in MLB The Show. When you start your franchise and it's a bunch of no-name players, most of them are made up for the sake of the video game. That was the the Brewers offense right now. The great value version of the Brewers offense. And that offense, of course, accompanied by great starting pitching, that's the offense that just went into San Diego and and came out with three straight wins. No RBIs from Yelich. Kane, Wong, they're all on the I.L. Keston Hira continues to play like a marshmallow. Avi Garcia had a tough series, especially yesterday. Jackie Bradley Jr. had some hits but didn't produce any runs. I wouldn't have believed it four days ago. You would have said the Brewers were going to sweep the Padres and not get an RBI from Yelich, Kane, Wong, Hira, Garcia, Jackie Bradley Jr. I don't know that I would have believed you. It's nuts. The great value version of the Brewers' offense is getting it done right now. And on Tuesday, we talked about this a little bit. We were giving David Stearns 
retroactive credit for going and getting players like Omar Narvaez and Avi Garcia last season. Sure, they didn't perform last year, but it seems those moves have now been justified. Now they bounce back in a more normal year. We talk about Billy McKinney, too, a guy who lit it up in spring training and the Brewers front office decided to keep him around, hoping they could catch lightning in a bottle. They've done exactly that, not only offensively, but defensively. Like, Billy McKinney might be the best baseball player I've ever seen. Now, a little bit of a threat here against Burns, albeit with two outs. Runners on the corners, and Will Myers is the batter. First pitch to Myers, and Myers turns on it, deep left, racing over there in the corner, and diving, and making an amazing catch is Billy McKinney! Oh, man, Billy McKinney! Saves two runs, and gets both arms extended in celebration from Corbin Burns. Profar couldn't believe it. That was the best play of the Brewers' season so far. I couldn't believe it. Mouth was wide open. Put Billy McKinney on the cover of MLB The Show 2021. That's how good he's been. People are starting to wonder if Christian Yelich will struggle to get his job back when he's healthy. Okay, well, I'm, I'm saying that. Nobody else is saying that. But maybe, maybe people are thinking it. You got, got it. You got to think, right? Corbin Burns, after the game, talked about that catch that saved the Brewers two runs. Corbin Burns had runners at the corners, two outs, and Billy McKinney hauled in that catch. I'm sure you've seen it by now. It was two days ago. Hauled in that catch uh, over around the left field line, and Corbin Burns after the game saying, yeah, you kind of helped us out there. I saw him tracking it the whole way. Yeah, I was more impressed that actually, you know, Will Myers got to that pitch that was in there. I mean, it was it was probably on the chalk in the batter's box end, and he managed to pull his hands in. Um, so it, it jammed him pretty good, so it was hanging up in the air. Um, so I thought he was going to have a chance, and then when he laid out and caught it, I mean, that, was, that was by far the play of the year. Low-key, funny part of that answer, which was 19 seconds long, and that answer and all of our show audio provided by the illustrious Zach Heil. With this Wisconsin Sports Zone Network update, I'm Zach Heil. Pre- the funniest part of that answer was Corbin Burns saying, well, actually, I think the craziest part of that play was the batter actually putting the bat to the ball because it was a great pitch, and I'm really good. Like, that's just kind of a funny side comment he made that I really appreciated. Corbin Burns showing some love for Billy McKinney. This isn't new for Stearns and the Brewers, right? They've done less with more the last couple of years, and it's presented in different ways. But one of my best friends is a Cubs fan. I remember if this was last year or the year before, because the Brewers and the Cubs have had some great series over the last three years. Whether the Cubs or the Brewers have been contending, they've just been such a competitive rivalry the last couple of summers. And I remember at one point my buddy asking me, like, who the hell are these guys? Like, sure, this season, Jace Peterson and Billy McKinney, but you think back, right, they were running out Nate Orff at times and Brad Miller. Right? They have to be thrifty, but, like, also give Council and Stearns credit. These guys might not be on the team all season long, and Billy McKinney probably won't be a great player for the Brewers all the way through September, but they can catch lightning in a bottle, and this isn't the first time they've done it. It's happened the last couple of summers. I remember Nate Orff almost hit a grand slam against the Twins. I was there. Insane moment. Miller Park was ready to lose it. Nate Orff really didn't really didn't pan out like we were all hoping. Craig Council, by the way, to wrap up our Billy McKinney chat, the Brewers' great value offense that just swept the Padres. Craig Council talked about the game uh, and Billy McKinney on Tuesday. He's a reason why we're thriving in a stretch where we're missing some really important players. And that's, that's what a team does. And that, that's what good teams need to do. They need to get people that step up when guys go down. Um, unexpected people to step up, and um, Billy's played that role really well. Imagine being a Padres fan 
getting swept by the Billy McKinney Brewers. It's nuts. And sure, any team can sweep any team at any time. Remember two summers ago, the Pittsburgh Pirates swept the Brewers in a five-game series. That Brewers team went on to almost make the World Series. Baseball's weird. So I don't want to overreact to anything that happened in the last three days because ultimately in the long run, there's so many of these games, this series is insignificant in the grand scheme of the 2021 season. But why are we here? What, what, do we, what do we do every night for two hours? We talk about our teams. We talk about what we're enjoying. We talk about what's making us angry. And as a Brewers fan that is currently dealing with some personal issues of crushing championship expectations for my other two favorite teams, it's just kind of nice to sit back even late at night at 9 p.m. and watch the Brewers just play ball and get three really impressive wins without a lot of their best players in the lineup. That's cool. Does it mean they're going to win the World Series? No, absolutely not. But it's fun to talk about. Let's keep talking about the Brewers. Get to some of your texts and your tweets, 608-796-2558 and on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. We'll hear a little bit more from Craig Council and talk about how this Brewers offense is still getting it done without any of their best bats in the lineup. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Monday, but it kind of feels like Monday for me. We didn't have a show yesterday, so my schedule's all thrown out of whack. Talking about the Brewers and a three-game sweep over the San Diego Padres, despite not really having any of their horses in the lineup, unless like Omar Narvaez and Billy McKinney, who are playing like two MVPs right now, but no Yelich, no Kane, no Wong, and I think it's really understated that Keston Hira hasn't done a dang thing this year. Like, he had that one impressive home run, I guess, didn't he? He had a deep double or something that that one time. It's hitting, like, 115. And the Brewers are winning anyways. I was also talking about how I appreciate the Brewers and just watching them for fun. I'm not going to use the term enjoy the ride because I think sometimes that phrase is misused. It's weaponized, I'll say, when Packers fans say, oh, so disappointing. How have we not made another Super Bowl? It's such an organizational failure that the Packers haven't made another Super Bowl in 10 years. And some fans will say, ah, shut up. Just enjoy the ride. We get to watch good football every year. Don't don't tell me how to be a fan, okay? But I do think there's a certain degree of enjoying the ride with this Brewers team. The Bucks and the Packers exist under crushing championship expectations. The Brewers don't, which is why they're really fun to watch. Just peaceful, easy watching. Like uh, Don Henley and Glenn Fry once said, just it's a peaceful, easy feeling watching the Brewers. 608-796-2558. Brett, our friend, says, first, Grant, can we talk about Steve Stricker and golf? He just won. No, we're not going to talk about that or Wisconsin volleyball. All those good luck to those ladies tonight. Go out and bump set spike and make this state proud. Uh, he also says, must be fun to sit back and watch the Brewers. Rich guy with cable, apparently. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Do, Brett, do you have any idea what I go through on a nightly basis to try to find the Brewers? Do you have any idea what I go through to try to watch the Bucks and the Brewers? No, I don't have cable. It's a battle that I wage every single night trying to figure out how many pop-ups and how many viruses I can give my computer and still be able to watch the teams that I'm supposed to cover for this show. Rich guy with cable. <laughs> oh, Brett. Brett, 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 
we've entered the comedy era. Comedy area. Thank you for your thank you for your text. You're too too, too kind. <laughs> oh, that made the show, Brett. Thank you for that joke. Oh, uh, we talk a lot about Billy McKinney to start the show, and why not? He's playing lights out baseball, and I don't really understand why or how. It's like he's hitting home runs, and then he's in the outfield saving multiple runs. That diving play he made saved Corbin Burns two runs. That was a huge play in that game. Corbin Burns was celebrating, had his arms up in the air. Like, Billy McKinney's just a lightning rod right now. But he's not the only one who's stepping up, right? We talked about Tyrone Taylor and Omar Narvaez and Jace Peterson. And Craig Council after the game yesterday says, yeah, it it takes everybody on the roster. And I truly believe that Craig Council believes that because he plays everyone on the roster. I, I think you win series like this. And it's because uh, you get contributions from a lot of people. We got big contributions from our two big pitchers and, and, and Woody and, uh, and Corbin. Um, but a lot of other guys did really good things in the series. And that leads to a, to a good week. Craig Council, much like Mike Budenholzer actually, values every spot on that lineup. And we've seen it for, what, two or three years now when they're constantly manipulating the bottom end of the lineup. All right, he's not playing. Let's send him down, get get up somebody else. Every spot on that roster gets used, especially when there's injuries. And you have guys like Tyrone Taylor who are just hitting piss missiles. Like that ball that he laid into the other day, you know Tyrone Taylor can hit like that. The, the great value Brewers offense. I still can't believe they swept the Padres. That blows my mind. I'm talking about Jace Peterson and Tyrone Taylor, but Omar Narvaez, unlike I think those other guys, actually is a bona fide proven player and is expected to deliver offensively. He didn't last year, but so far this year, and especially in this last series, he's been such a big story. I mean, I think what we're learning is he had a bad 40 games or whatever it was. It was 100 at-bats, too. You know, it wasn't a huge sample uh, because of the season. We, we we speak of it as a season. He got kind of lost and, and couldn't cover from it and couldn't get it back, like, in season, off season. And kind of starting over again has, has got him to back to the place where we thought he would be and, and that he can be. I'm an Omar Narvaez guy. I've gotten to that point. And in 2020, he played 40 games, like Craig Council mentioned. We talk about that as a season. It's not. It would be like if the NFL season was four games long, and then moving forward, we referenced, oh, he had a really bad 2020. Well, 2020 was four games. What do you mean he had a bad season? You can't judge anything off of that. 40 games last year, he had 176, 19 hits, 10 RBIs. And if you stretch that out over a full season, that's 76 hits and 40 RBIs. Yeah, that's not good at all. Not good at all. But so far in 2021, in 16 games, he's hitting 396. He has the same number of hits, 19, and the same number of RBIs, 10, as he did last season. Except if you put this year's production on pace for a full 162, it puts him at 192 hits and 101 RBIs. What a difference a year can make, as Craig Council pointed out after the game. A lot of unexpected names. Omar Narvaez maybe a little bit more expected than others, but still a nice change of pace after a very frustrating 2020. Another unexpected name alongside McKinney, Peterson, company. J.P. Fireisen. The bullpen as a whole has actually done a, a pretty darn good job. Uh, Craig Council talked about the bullpen and J.P. Fireisen and how this unit is coming together as well. You know, he's a young pitcher, but I think what he's shown us, and I, I thought he showed in Chicago that the game where, you know, Bach, where kind of the roles reversed and he, he box replaced him, but I, I thought he showed in Chicago. He showed some presence out there, wants to be in that situation, um, and he showed it, showed it today. I asked this question to David Gasper last week, and I feel like a total 
I feel like a thumb for not remembering his answer. And I was going to go back and, and pull the audio today, and I just ran out of time. And I'm sorry, Gasper. I'm not going to try to twist your words here. But I asked him, David Gasper, viewing the brew, what's your hierarchy on relievers right now? Or, well, rank them. Josh Hader's our number one, but, but then what's the order, right? In, in a theoretical playoff game where you had to cover four innings, how do you break it down 4-3-2-1 if, you know, everybody gets an inning? How do you cover those last four innings and try to close out a game? Josh Hader obviously gets the ninth. I still like Brad Boxberger as my number two reliever, although that could change because I think Williams might be charging. I think he showed some good things yesterday. That changeup was working. He's starting to feel that a little bit, and he just wiped out Tatis yesterday. Williams might be charging, but I think Boxberger is still my number two, and at the moment, J.P. Fireisen might be my number three. Once again, with the understanding that Williams, I think, is going to climb this ladder as the season goes along, but right now, I would go Hater, Boxberger, Fireisen, Williams. I'd feel comfortable at, at the fourth reliever there with Williams. And then number five, like, I'm, I'm a Brent Suter guy. He might not have the velocity... And he might not be the dominating athlete of some of these other guys, but I know what I'm going to get. And I think there's a lot to be said for that inconsistency, right? The devil you know versus the devil you don't. And I trust Craig Council to manage through the devil that he knows. If he knows what he's getting from Brent Suter, I trust him to manage and to, to balance that situation. I think Lindblom at this point is just out there to eat innings when needed. He might make a spot start at some point this season. And Angel Perdomo is the other guy. Watch him. Because I think he might be up there by the end of the year, too. Just a guy to keep an eye on. Like Williams, has all the stuff. Obviously, different different reasons. Williams is coming back from an injury. I think he's going to get better, better, better. And I think Perdomo might get some outings and leverage situations as the season goes on. Not right now, but as the season goes on, I you know look for him to, to be a, a crunch time reliever as well. I think the Brewers' bullpen is coming along nicely. Coming up next, let's talk Packers. Let's stop messing around. I have a take on the draft. Well, I have takes on the draft. We're less than a week away now. Well, we are one week away. The draft is a week from tonight. Let's talk about some different positions and how the Packers might approach them, especially in that first round, which direction they might go at pick number 21. More of the Wisco Sports Show. Talking Packers coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. pretty easy man to please like I'm not I don't think I have super high expectations about anything like if I can watch my sports teams do the show enjoy a a nice cruise on a sunny day I just I'm an easy man to please I really am have a nice cold PBR at the end of the week I don't ask for much I all I want is just one sacred NBA game in which no superstar is sitting out everybody's healthy and we're actually trying to win and I'm not a difficult man to please but Really, on that front, things are coming up short. Ben Simmons is out tonight. Tobias Harris is probably going to play. Seth Curry's probably going to play. Frickin' Cormont's is questionable. Like, okay, cool. Like, I didn't want to see a good game between the Bucks and the Sixers anyways. Chances are somebody will rest tomorrow because it's the second day of a back-to-back. Isn't it? The Bucks have a back-to-back. I'm not wrong about that, right? Maybe there's a day off in between. Let me check the schedule just to make sure I'm not wrong. Wouldn't want to be that idiot spreading misinformation over the radio. Ben Simmons is out tonight, and then the Bucks play again on Saturday. They do have a day off. Two games in three days, though. Probably still too much for today's. Today. <laughs> Those millennial players can't play two games in three days. I'm kidding, of course, but it does suck that Ben Simmons is out tonight. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We'll talk more Bucks in exactly, exactly one hour 
at 5.30. Game's at 6, so we can chat right up until tip-off. It'll be nice. Philadelphia visiting the Pfizer Forum tonight. It's been a while since they've played. They last played in mid-March. I remember I watched in an airport. That's when I went to Arizona. So exactly when was that? March 17th. And that's the game that the Bucks won in overtime, but that game Joel Embiid didn't play. So let's just, can we, let's just start, let's take one week off and start the playoffs. Who says no? Just take a week off, start the playoffs. I, I'm, I would honestly be okay with that. I love the NBA. I love these games, but what are we, what are we doing? Let's just take a week off and then start the playoffs. I think we'd all be better off for it. Been talking Brewers. Going to talk more Bucks later on in the show. Let's do some Packers because I think I've neglected the Packers a little bit, at least compared to some other shows that do like multiple hours on the Packers every day, which isn't a bad thing. I just, I would rather do a deep dive into the Brewers and get into some interesting topics about the Brewers. The draft is some folks' favorite subject, and that's cool. I'm not hating on it. Some people really like to watch tape and look at mock drafts and listen to draft podcasts, and that's cool. It's just not my favorite thing to do. I don't try to predict picks or do mock drafts. I just kind of like to sit back and relax and watch. Although there wasn't exactly a whole lot of relaxing last year because we had to deal with the whole Jordan Love fiasco. I remember it at a keg stand like an hour after the uh, the draft. Not not because, not to party, just because Buddy had a keg, and at that point it was just sad. Like, I remember it was a Thursday night. Nothing was going on. One of my friends had a little get-together with three or four people, and by the time I got there after the draft, everyone was sad because Aaron Rodgers had just been insulted with the selection of Jordan Love. It's like, do you want to do a keg stand? I'm like, no, not really, but I'm sad, so sure I will. That's how I spent last year's draft night. That was after the draft. I like to react. I don't like to try to predict picks. So we're not going to do a mock draft on the show, but I want to brainstorm a little bit. We always say best player available, best player available, BPA, 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 although I don't think anybody uses that acronym. You'd like to think that your team never drafts for need. Our, my team, we're not cavemen. We don't draft for need. Oh, if you're drafting for need, you're already one step behind. Except the Packers do occasionally draft for need. Like, anytime they've ever drafted a cornerback, it's like, we need corners. That's why we spent a first and a second round pick on them. Right? So I think teams are selective about when they do best player available. Every team likes to say that they take the best player available until they, they don't, until they need somebody. And the Packers especially almost seem to go out of their way, at least recently, to draft players that won't contribute immediately. It's almost like they make a point of it. So I thought today, let's think. Let's, let's forget about the upcoming season 21-22. Let's think about after this season. What will the Packers need a year from now? Two years from now? And in the case of the 2021 draft, I actually think what they need now and what they're going to need in a year or two, I actually think there's a lot of overlap. I think there's a lot of symmetry. Let's start with offensive line. Big uglies, the trenches. David Bakhtiari's hurt. Elton Jenkins is due in 2023 for a new deal, which they will, I'm almost you know sure that they will give him. You just lost Corey Lindsley, and Rick Wagner is gone. You don't really have that many guys under contract. Offensive line is always a good idea to draft anyways. So suffice to say, offensive line would make a ton of sense for the Packers in the 2021 draft. Now, whether they do that in the first round or second or the third, I think that has a lot to do with how the board falls. If a great offensive tackle falls to them, then it makes a whole lot of sense for them to take him. Right, but if there's a run on linemen in the first round, you don't, you don't get caught in the mindset of saying, well, we need a lineman, uh, we'll just take him. Well, we need an interior guard. We need a center. We need a tackle because then you draft Garrett Bradbury. Like Garrett Bradbury is a fine player, but the Vikings got so in their head thinking we need a center, we need a center, we need a center that they just took him to take him while there were better players around. Right? So the Packers need offensive linemen. They need them every year. Every team does. 
Whether or not they go offensive lineman in the first round, I think is 99% due to what the rest of the first round does for those first 28 picks. Offensively, other than offensive line, I think they're okay. They're okay at running back. They're well, they're like more than okay at quarterback. They're well off there. And tight end, I think they're okay too. Although, on the off chance that like great tight end prospect, you know, slides to them, maybe then they 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 take him because he's so good, right? And you make it work with Deguara and Jay Sternberger. I don't I don't really know how that would work because like Kyle Pitts is the tight end that everybody knows. He's not gonna fall past like six. So we don't have to worry about him falling to the Packers. But maybe in the second or the third round, a, a prospect at tight end who they consider to be so good falls to them that even though they don't really need a tight end, they'll take one. Okay, I could see that. But running back, eh, I can't see a premium pick going there. I should say this. I think it would be stupid to use a premium pick at running back because you did last year with A.J. Dillon and you brought back Aaron Jones. I'm all about depth and having multiple good running backs, but we've put enough capital into running backs the last couple of years. We're okay to take one in the fourth or the fifth round. right? Like It's, it's cool. We don't, we don't need a premium running back. They're okay there. God, if they take a quarterback any higher than the seventh round, I'll have a conniption on the radio. And tight end, I just explained, I think they're good there unless they get an overwhelming value that, you know, that catches them off guard. The only other offensive position is wide receiver. And it's all anybody could talk about last year. And I, I, unlike last season, I don't think it's a huge need for them now. They could go into the season and I think they'd be just fine. However, I always like to assume that your number one at any position could always get injured. I think that's a good mental exercise to do. Think, okay. If David Bakhtiari goes down, how good is our offensive line, right? If Jair Alexander goes down, how good is our secondary? If Devontae Adams goes down, how good is our receiver group? Now, you never hope for that, but you hope for the best plan for the worst. I don't want to go into a season needing somebody to stay healthy. I at least want to have a half-decent backup plan. I don't think the Packers have a huge need at wide receiver, but somebody could get injured. And most importantly, they don't have any wide receivers that are under contract after this season. Adams, MVS, EQ, and Lazard are all due. Now, Lazard is due in a restricted free agent, you know, sense. But Adams, unrestricted. MVS, unrestricted. EQ, unrestricted. They could be, could be starting over fresh after next year. Now, I don't think they will be. I think they'll bring back Adams. That makes a whole lot of sense. And we'll see how MVS does. I think they really like MVS. I really like MVS. I hope they keep him around. It would be a bummer to to watch him muddle his way through his first couple of years, right? Hoping that he reaches potential. And then when he finally comes of age, you just let him walk. That, that feels like a little bit of a bummer. EQ. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just indifferent on EQ. I'm not going to wave a flag for letting him go or keeping him around. I don't Lazard, of course, you know, you want him to stay. I don't know if a wide receiver makes a huge difference this year. If they were to draft one, say in the first round, but in the future, I think it would be a great investment. Now, the Packers, very similarly to the Milwaukee Bucks, don't need a huge production boost. They don't need a huge boost wins and losses, right? They don't need a huge improvement offensively. Their offensive numbers last year were tremendous. They were the best offense in the league by many, many metrics. But here's the thing. In moments, they needed to be better, right? When they were given three interceptions in the second half of that NFC Championship game, they got stuck. And it's in that moment, despite how great their offense is and despite how great Rodgers was and is and how good Lafleur was, in that moment, they needed an extra kick. And who's to say that an extra wide receiver in that moment and in that moment alone, despite what the overreaching stats for the entire season says, in that moment, 
they could have used a guy. And I think that'll continue to be the case this year, right? It's the same with the Bucs. Their team is really, really good. They're 95% of the way there. It's that extra 5% that they're looking for, and they have been looking for ever since they got, you know, swept out of the Eastern Conference Finals by Toronto after going up 2-0. They need improvement in moments. And I think this year, a wide receiver would really help there on top of being a contributor and a piece in the future. I don't think Rashad Bateman from Minnesota will fall to them at 29. If he does, I think that would be great. He's, he's so similar to Devontae Adams. I think he could learn a whole lot. And if Devontae Adams gets hurt, he, he's a bona fide outside wide receiver. He's not a slot guy. He's not a gadget guy. He's a bona fide outside wide receiver with a lot of similarities to Devontae Adams. If he falls, I love Rashad Bateman. I love Rondell Moore. We've talked about that. I think he would supercharge that Tyler Irvin position. And Kadarius Toney, I think he would be a great slot option. Both Kadarius Toney and Rondell Moore would be great fits on this team. They would they would play a role that currently needs playing. Right? Whether the Packers will do that or not, it seems too glamorous. It seems too, it seems too exciting. I, I don't know if I'm... Should I get excited for the Packers to take a wide receiver? Because there's a couple of these players I really like. I really love the idea of Rondell Moore being added into this Packers offense. I think he's Debo Samuel. And look at what Kyle Shanahan's able to do with Debo Samuel. Just somebody who has a shred of athleticism and dynamism. Like, I like Tyler Irvin, but he succeeded in that role because of the role. Tyler Irvin wasn't the game changer. It was the role that Tyler Irvin was put in. So if you take a top prospect, a top player like Rondale Moore, who's big and strong and fast and shifty, albeit short, and you put him in that role... Well, now you can take things to the next level, right? Now he's going to make plays that Tyler Irvin just wouldn't make. But I, for whatever reason, just can't see the Packers doing that in the first round. It's too exciting. Taking a wide receiver in the first round just seems too exciting. I want to talk about cornerbacks. I want to talk about linebackers and get to some of your thoughts as well. Ten more minutes of Packers draft talk. You can text me, 608-796-2558, and you can tweet me at Wisco Grant. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on a little bit more than an hour away from Buck Sixers. Ben Simmons isn't going to play. Millennial. NBA players. Lazy. Woke. Kidding. This season's been tough. Everybody's getting hurt, and it's a huge bummer. We'll talk a little bit about that later on in the show, but mostly I want to talk about Bucks. You know, actual X's and O's things. Actual serious basketball things. We'll do that at 5.30. More Brewers coming up at about 5 o'clock when we take a break for the hour. We'll come back and do more Brewers. Love watching the Brewers right now. They're my favorite team to watch. Sorry, Bucks. Packers aren't playing, so I'm not going to apologize to them. Although Wisconsin Volleyball tonight, yeah! I'm not going to watch, although I should, because I I could actually, they're on ESPN, right? I could actually watch the Badgers, unlike you know, basically all of our other in-state sports teams. So go Wisconsin Volleyball! Make us proud! Bump, set, and spike! Yeah! 608-796-2558 is the talk and text line. If you'd like to call or text, you can tweet me at Wisco Grant as well. We're just, we're just BSing about the Packers draft a little bit. You know, just need versus want and positional value and, you know, just just shop talk because you know the NFL draft is my, it's my thing. It's, I really struggle this time of year. Once the Packers draft these guys, okay, well, then I'm going to dig in and learn about them because then they're Packers. 
But my problem going into the draft is I don't want to learn about 200 players, none of whom end up ever getting mentioned on the show again because they don't go to my team. So I learn about a couple prospects here and there, and we talk about what positions and what directions the Packers might head in. We're just talking about the wide receivers a little bit, and I wouldn't hold my breath on the Packers drafting a wide receiver in the first round. But this feels like the year where maybe, just maybe, the stars could align and the Packers could do it because the Packers always draft for future need, right? They're never going to draft to fit an immediate need unless it's corner. Then all rules go out the window. God forbid, then you draft the corner. God forbid you should ever draft for need for any other position, but corner, come hell or high water, you're going to draft three of them in the first two rounds, right? Quentin Rollins, Marius Randall, Josh Jackson, Jair Alexander, one of whom, Jair, turned out to be good. I'm not complaining. But it's like we act like the Packers never draft for need, and we completely forget those two drafts when they rebuilt their secondary. Right? The, the Packers always draft for the future. But with wide receivers right now, they kind of need guys for the future. Devontae Adams, MVS, and EQ are only under contract for one more year, as is Lazard. Lazard in a little bit different capacity because he's a restricted free agent. But if the Packers do nothing and they sit on their hands, they're going into next offseason with no wide receivers under contract. So if there was ever a year where it made sense for the Packers to draft the wide receiver and it fit their model and their methodology of doing things, it would be this year. And I think if they draft the right guy, he could be an asset this season as well. Rondale Moore from Purdue could fit the Tyler Irvin role beautifully. And you know what? He would be an asset on special teams as well, which is something they desperately need. Rondale Moore, I think, makes a lot of sense. He's not tall, but he's thick. A thick, strong man. And he's fast and he's shifty and he's so good after the catch. He's perfect for filling that Tyler Irvin role. He's perfect for coming out of the backfield or putting in motion, which Matt LaFleur loves to do. And they need special teams help. And Rondo Moore, day one, he's your kick and punt returner. Great. Kadarius Tony is another guy. I think it was Peter Schrager. Was it Peter Schrager? I believe so. Did a podcast with some PFF guys and made the statement that he wouldn't be surprised if Kadarius Tony goes in the middle of the first round, maybe even up near Jalen Waddell or Devontae Smith, some of those Alabama wide receivers. So it, of course, depends on where these guys get drafted, but Ronda Moore, Kadarius Tony, who would be a great slot guy, not a polished route runner, but a great slot guy and good after the catch, those two guys could help the Packers now and be a part of their core moving forward, which they need. Or, say, a more traditional wide receiver, a route runner, an outside guy like Rashad Bateman from Minnesota Falls. He could be a good option. Not going to hold my breath because that would be exciting. But man can hope. I think cornerback is a position that they no doubt address because it's a position they need now and they need in the future. Cornerbacks are very similar to offensive linemen. You just always need them. They're always getting hurt. You're always missing on picks. You just always need to keep a pipeline of talent coming in every year in the draft. I also just refuse to assume that they're good with Kevin King for multiple reasons. Number one, he gets hurt a lot. And that's not like a personal attack on Kevin King. But after his rookie contract and all those years, like we have a pretty good idea of who Kevin King is. At his best, he's a very good corner. But at his worst, he's injured. Or he's playing like crap, which we saw in the NFC Championship game. And yes, that very much impacts my opinion of him, even if it's just one game. Yeah, it does, because it was a huge game, right? And if Kevin King goes down, which is probable at some point this year, who else do they have? They got nobody. Oh, ah, my bad. They brought back Will Redmond because at least the Packers leave it to them to bring back both cornerbacks who had miserable days in the NFC Championship game. Like, just not one. But let's bring them both back. Let's bring both guys back. Run it. Run it back. I like Greg Newsom. 
the northwestern corner. He reeks of Josh Jackson to me in this moment. I don't know if his play style is anything similar to, to Josh Jackson. I'd have to go back and read uh, what people were saying about Josh Jackson coming into the draft. I think he's very similar in the way that his stock has gone up and down in relation to the draft. Because if you remember the year they took, that was the Kevin King draft, right? Yeah. The year they took King and Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson was a top 15 pick in some mocks early on in the process. And a lot of Packers fans thought, oh, we should we should take Josh Jackson in the first round. He's great. And they ended up getting him in the second. Because over time, his stock just decreased and decreased and decreased. And I'm not saying Greg Newsom's stock is crashing. But after his pro day, he was all anybody could talk about. He was top 20. He was top 15 guy. And I wouldn't be surprised if Greg Newsom kind of follows the same path as Josh Jackson. He had his moment where everybody talked about him. He had, he had his moment in the sun. But then as the draft got closer, he kind of slid back down. And sliding back down to 29 where the Packers are selecting, maybe that's an option. That's corner. Uh, linebacker. I know everyone's talking about linebacker. I just, sorry to be this guy. I don't think the Packers care. I don't think they want a linebacker. I don't think they need one. Joe Barry's defense, like Mike Pettin before him, doesn't really need big, strong, huge inside linebackers. Right last year, Joe Barry was under Brandon Staley in L.A. L.A. coming into last season lost Corey Littleton, who was a coveted free agent linebacker. Packers fans wanted him. L.A. lost him and got better, completely based on the secondary and the defensive line. So look for the Packers if they do take a linebacker at some point. Smaller, more athletic guys. So no, sorry, they're probably not going to take Xavier Collins from Tulsa, who's a mountain of a man, which is really, really cool for bodybuilding contests and for some other teams, but probably not for the Packers. I can't really see that. Uh, can't really see that being the case because that's not what they like. That's not what they want. Let's take a break for two minutes. We'll come back, talk about the Brewers because I'm having a blast watching the Brewers right now. I'm loving every minute of it. They're not stressing me out like the Packers and the Bucks do. We'll talk about that, hear a little bit from Craig Council. We'll hear from Brent Suter as well. And then at 5.30, I want to talk Bucks because tonight is actually a pretty significant game. So we'll preview Bucks Sixers and talk about what's going on in Milwaukee with the Bucks. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up in a few minutes. Don't go anywhere. Complete player. Okay, I'll admit it. Fine. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Quick correction uh, before we move on. We just talked about the draft for a couple of minutes. Draft, not really my thing, but I can get excited about it. I just don't like learning the name of 100 different prospects. One correction, though, I mentioned that Josh Jackson was the Kevin King draft. No, he was the Jair Alexander draft. Doesn't really change the principle of my argument, right? He ended up falling out of the first round and into the second, despite a lot of people early on in the process thinking he was going to be a top 20 pick. Packers end up getting him in the second round instead. But yes, I was wrong. I don't want to be one of those toxic people who can explain away every time I'm wrong about something. Those people are, those people are the worst. And I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the fact checks on the talk and text line. Billy also texts in and says, uh, a different radio show would say trade love for a top 15 pick and get Smith. If we're talking about wide receivers, Billy, I'm assuming you mean Devonte Smith. I'd love to have Devonte Smith, but I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think the Packers need him. Like I'd take him, but I'm not throwing away a prospect or the rest of my draft to go get Devonte Smith. Like Kadarius Tony 
actually probably fits a better need this year. And Rondell Moore, I think, fits a better need too. Those are players that are going to be available later on in the first round. That's the thing about these deep wide receiver drafts. You know, you don't really need to go jump up and get a guy. There's so many. And some have said, not me, but some have said that wide receiver will soon be the new running back in a way that people just won't draft them high because there's so many and you can get them later on. So using premium picks on wide receivers is is wrong. Now, I think they're so valuable. I think they'll always command, you know, at least one or two a draft will always command top 10 picks, but that's going to be interesting to watch. Billy, I appreciate your text. A subtle shot at another sports show, though. Kind of, kind of snarky. I'm about it. We need some snarkiness to get through the next hour. We're going to talk Brewers baseball, going to talk Bucks, and I would love to speak with you as well on the talk and text line. It's the Wisco Sports Show, and my name is Grant Bills. If I didn't already mention that, I'm not sure. The talk and text line, 608-796-2558. You can tweet at me, at Wisco Grant as well. Going to hear from Brent Suter coming up in about 15 minutes. I thought, because Brent Suter is well-spoken, and he had some interesting things to say, but it's also Earth Day, and Brent Suter is... Mr. Get Rid of Waste. So I thought it was very appropriate. Let's go to the talking text line. Brett, I haven't talked to you in two days. As always, I'm worried, although we didn't have a show yesterday. So that's that's probably why. What's going on, Brett? Nothing. What's going on with you? I need to get uh, some of this insight about how you're figuring out how to watch the Brewer games. Ah, okay, Brett. Uh, I got I to gotta walk a tightrope here. Uh, first of all, it's not illegal. There's nothing illegal. It's cre- It's creative, I'd say. Um, the internet right. provides many outlets to entertainment. Uh, some forms of it couth, some uncouth. Uh, I'd like to think that live sports broadcasts are fairly moral as the internet goes. But yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I, I sometimes finding a stream here and there that might you know shoot a hundred pop ups at you. It's worth the gamble though to watch your favorite team. Although a lot of times I just listen oh, to the yeah. Brewers when I get home too. So so you're not actually watching it on a television. You're watching it on a computer. Um. Yeah. 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 Let's or say do that. you do you have do you have uh, your your TV is connected to the internet, so you're surfing the internet on your physical TV like it's a big computer screen. I feel uncomfortable going any farther because there could be some feds uh-huh. listening in on this call. I don't want to give them clues I to got, track no. down how I might no, no, watch no, no. my teams. I, I, I got you. I got you. <laughs> I and I'm I'm not here to judge you. I just figured, you know what, he's probably, I I don't know why I revert back to it, but I just think about, like, back in the day, uh, all the old gamers used to be like, oh, yeah, man, I turned my TV into my new computer screen. It's like the coolest thing. It connects to the Internet now. It's like, God, nerd alert. (laughs) I've I've played League of Legends on my TV before. It's not great. It's too big. It's it's too big. It's not reactive enough. Well, listen, if you have a smaller TV, it's not that big of a problem. Yeah. All my TVs are massive. You know, maybe, I make, I, maybe I need to talk to the radio station. You're making too much. Well, I was going to say, I make so much money. All my TVs are way, way too big. I spend all my money on TV. Right. I can't actually afford cable to watch my sports teams on TV. Yeah. Well, I mean, you did get some good stimulus just to buy TVs. So yeah. you got that going for good old, you. Good old yeah. stimmy check. What do you, you think of my draft analysis, by the way? I, I, it's not my strength, but I do my best. Um, it was, it was good. Um, I just, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Like I, I don't really care the names that are out there right now. Yeah. And it is what it is. Cause all it's going to be is, uh, probably just a disappointment, but you are right. I did like the point of a wide receiver this year might be the year because 
once we don't know what will happen with Adams eventually here, and there's got to be some other stud coming up somewhere. So we're going to have to to plan for the future. Yeah. And, you know, let's – why not? I mean, we know we have Rodgers for 2021, 2022, so why not this be the final year that they actually draft a wide receiver? Let's do that. Well, I think it makes sense because they could use him this year, and then he could be part of this group moving forward, and eventually they're going to need to reload, right? It's been a couple of years since they drafted one. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Let's think about this. Well, once we once we trade off love to get like the fifteenth overall pick or the third overall pick or whatever that darn thing you were talking about the other day was, mm-hmm. um, then we're going to need quarterbacks. So they're going to use the third overall pick uh, oh, to just oh, get another oh, quarterback oh. anyway. So. Okay, okay. What what if this happened? Come on, I'll, I'll let you go after this, but a hypothetical to think about, okay, Brett? What if the Packers yeah. trade Jordan Love for the number fifteen pick, and then they turn love around it. and use that number fifteen pick to draft like? Mac Jones or Trey Lance or like Kyle Trask. Do you think Packers fans I don't know would just like? Are. Do you think we just eat each other? I think that would be it. I think I'd go jump off the Castry Bridge. Well, if I if I knew who those three people were, I'd be able to tell you. Oh, they're um, they're quarterbacks. That's the that's the point. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, no, no. I I just keep thinking of the weird Ohio State guy and how like he can't actually you know take a normal snap. He has to clap his hands to get the ball, and I'm just really wondering how many people he's going to get to jump with the fact that he just claps, and that's what everybody goes off of. He's not going to be able to fix that. What a joke. Clap snap. Thanks, Brett. That's God. fantastic analysis. Okay, bye. <laughs> Talk soon. I remember when we played intramural football at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, you couldn't snap. It was misleading. You would draw the, draw the opponent. Now, you could, like, there was a gesture, but there wasn't any. You couldn't, you couldn't really get a good clap. Because then you're baiting the opponent offside or whatever. That's that's good analysis, Brett. And there's been a lot of Justin Fields slander. Uh, and he's kind of been falling down boards. Kind of like to a ridiculous level. He's been falling down draft boards for the last few weeks. I, nobody's brought that up, right? We've questioned his intelligence and his work ethic. Um, and now it's it's announced last night that he has epilepsy and he's fighting that. Although I don't think that's a huge deal. It's just a... Just one other detail that I suppose people could use against him if they wanted to, right? We talked about the race slice of this two days ago. We didn't really talk about it, but I just kind of mentioned it, right? That's another thing we could bring up to try to tank Justin Fields' draft stock is that he has to clap before getting the snap. I don't know if that'll fly at the NFL level. I don't know if that'll fly in the pro- I don't know if that'll fly in the pros. Yeah, I think that that is the most Packers thing ever, right? They trade their first-round pick and Jordan Love to the Patriots for pick 15. And then they use pick 15 to select another quarterback. That's the most Packers thing ever, right? You're drafting for the future. You're getting positional value, best player available. You have an heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers. And in true Brian Gutekind style, you'd be trading up, right? Brian Gutekind has traded up, if not every year, per near, just about every year, right? He traded up for Darnell Savage, traded up for Jair Alexander, traded up for Jordan Love. How many, has he done three drafts? He's done three drafts already? Man, oh, man. There's one I'm forgetting about. He's traded up in the majority of first rounds in which he's selected. That's my point. So maybe, just maybe, flip Jordan Love, get to the 15th pick. Packers fandom erupts. Here we go. Let's win a Super Bowl. And then you use that 15th overall pick to take, like, Kyle Trask or somebody. I don't think Mac Jones will be available. I I don't think Trey Lance or Mac Jones will make it to 15. They'll find some other quarterback for the sake of this, this comedic point that I'm trying to make. Appreciate the call, 
Brett. 608-796-2558. Twitter's always open as well. At Wisco Grant. Be a part of the show that way. William tweets in and says, I'm a Cubs lifer. I can admit Council is absolutely a top five manager. William, I like that. That's a good segue. Bring us back to the Brewers. I appreciate that. Let's talk about the Brewers because they just swept the Padres. And I started the show by saying this. I still believe this to be true. We'll see if this continues to be true all the way to the end of the Brewers season. I'm not sure. But in this moment right now on April 22nd, the Brewers are the one unique team in this state, at least professional teams. Brewers are the one team in the state that doesn't carry championship weight, championship expectations with the Packers. If they don't make the Super Bowl, it's a failure, right? Now, maybe not all fans feel that way, but I think that's the case. I think most football people feel that that's the case, right? Losing to the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game, that's a failure. With Aaron Rodgers going 10 years now and without being in the Super Bowl, that's a failure. The Bucs not making even the Eastern Conference Finals last year, not making the Finals two years ago, that's a failure, Right now, if the Brewers don't make the World Series this year, at least in this moment in time, that's okay. We're going to have fun watching them. This is a fun team. And I hate to say enjoy the ride, but I do think there is an enjoyment to riding along with the Brewers right now at this point in the season. Now, if they get hot and they win 20 games in a row and they look like the best team in baseball and they go into the playoffs, the number one seed in the NL, okay, well, then obviously things change. Now they're carrying some championship expectations. Not all, and it could be the case, could, it could not be the case. But you get my point. The Brewers are kind of this fun, happy-go-lucky team, and they just swept the Padres, who were projected at the moment to win 93 games. I was trying to go back and find the number before the season. I couldn't find it. They're a really good team. That's my point. They made a lot of off-season additions, and the Brewers went into this series and scored all of their runs and swept the Padres. Here, here's how the RBI shook out. Narvaez had four. Peterson had three. Jace Peterson, in case you didn't know who that was. Billy McKinney and Travis Shaw both had a pair of RBIs, and Tyrone Taylor and Luis Urias both had an RBI. They did it without Yelich, without Kane, without Wong, no Keston Hira. That Brewers team, the great value Brewers team, the generic brand Brewers team, they went in to San Diego and just swept a series. That's pretty cool. And does it mean they're going to win the World Series? No. This series in the grand scheme of things means very little, but it's fun to talk about and it's fun to celebrate. Let's go to the talking text line, 608-796-2558. Binks, I saw you tweeting at me the last couple of days. I'm I'm glad to see that you're following along closely and you're staying connected, even though yesterday, for example, we didn't have a show. It works, man. I mean, that's, it is what it is. And when we have those beverages, you, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll buy. I'm going to buy the beverages, but you got to teach me how to, you know, the arts and crafts of tweeting better. So Really? Um, I think your Twitter yes, is great, I'm, Binksy. Uh, well, thank you. That's a compliment coming, you know, from a guy half my age. So okay. I really appreciate that, Grant. Well, I... um, okay. You know, I, on your uh, Twitter, uh, I was asking, hey, if I call, you got to, like, um, preface me by doing some steel guitar or, or the, the turd guy again. So t- I, I kind of like that. The turd guy? I mean, if you want to be associated with George Bluth, I got you. You were just a turd out there. You know, you couldn't kick and you couldn't run, you I'm know. Glad... You're just a, a turd. I'm glad you think that's funny. I I, uh, yeah, I, know, yeah. I, I do. It's just, I do. But And that's how Keston Hero's playing, man. He's playing like a turd. He is. Um, he has, he has, and I want to talk a little bit about this. I'm going to let you fly with it. If Okay, so if we take Travis Shaw after two good years with Milwaukee, 
and we finally swallow it and say, you got to go to the minors and work on your batting, work on your fielding. Keston Hira never played first base in Little League. Why don't we polish him and season, season him down in the minors as a first baseman? No, I'm not. Yes, Vogelbach is a good first baseman. He's got and he's got some. He hits for average. He's your uh, prototypical uh, garden variety, you know, designated hitter. But he's not. You know, he's just he's a good hitter for first base. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't. I was hearing you talking to the guy from Review the Brew. He just said, "Yeah, oh, there's just no place for him." If if Hira is subpar, there's no place for him. I don't think there's a place for him. I think he needs to be, you know, go down, get some experience, get a, get his own glove, break it in, and start hitting for power because last year didn't count. That was an asterisk season. This year we're, we're recovering and everybody's getting back into shape. And I'm glad that the Brewers are doing so well without Yelich, Kane, and everybody has just not been – you know, all the, all the pistons aren't firing, but look at how well they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to the starting rotation. That's my that's my question about Hira. Uh, another thing about Williams from uh, yesterday's game is, you know, he's got a little bit more confidence back, and I'm wondering if Council didn't put Boxberger in there the next inning by design to say, okay, you you did one good inning, that's it. Mm-hmm. Because I think last year he would have said, dude, give me two innings and then we're going to go get Hater." Because I thought we were going to lose that game when Boxberger put, you know, the bases loaded. Yeah. And, you know, we could, we barely got out of that inning. Or, and we almost lost the series. But anyway, that's my question. Talk to me a little bit about Hero, you know. And, uh, you know, and give me some steel guitar tomorrow if you can, okay? <laughs> I'll, I'll dig out some steel guitar. I'll have it ready tomorrow. Thanks, Binks. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, you have a good night. Keston Hero. Okay. What to do with Keston Hero? I, I think Keston Hero, weirdly enough, is in the same spot Travis Shaw was two summers ago, right? Because Keston, Keston Hero was in the minors tearing it up in 2019, and Travis Shaw was in the majors. He couldn't do anything. But yet the Brewers stuck with Travis Shaw. Why? Because they knew he had potential. They'd seen what he's capable of. They know how good he is. And they wanted him right down the stretch. Alongside Keston here when they eventually brought him up. I think the same is now true with Keston here himself. They know how good he can be. They know how good of a hitter he is. And they don't just want to throw him in the minors. They want to, they want to reach that potential. Because the Brewers are way better with a good Keston here than they are without. So I think it's the potential they're chasing. And sure, they've sent down players before who were struggling. But... You know, if you're if you're good enough, get a little bit more leeway, and I think Keston here is good enough. Dave texts in and says, here is a good hitter, but his timing is off. Has a toe tap and a leg kick. Any fastball over 95, he can't catch up. All balls he hits have been off speed. Dave, you make a good point, and I think it's one that they pointed out on the broadcast. Oh, this might have been a week or two ago. I mean, here has struggled all season, so it could have been in any multitude of games. I don't know if it was The Rock not the rock, but rock, uh, Bill Schroeder, who mentioned it. Keston here is swinging through all these fastballs, and he's the fastball hitter. That's supposed to be his bread and butter, and those are the pitches he can't connect with, and I think, Dave, you make a really good point. Duke in lacrosse, quickly before you take a break, says, according to the Brewers' website, they have a team batting average of 209 with a million exclamation points. 
ranked 28th in Major League Baseball. I don't care how good the pitching has been. That's clearly not going to cut it in spite of having the third best record in the NL. Duke, as we always do on this show, I will tell you that batting average doesn't matter. Because when batting average serves the argument that I'm making, I will reference it. And when it contradicts, I will simply discard it. Batting average is an aged, aged statistic, Duke. Although, yeah, 209 is not great. They're also without Yelich and Wong and Kane, three of their best average hitters. And they've only played, what, 17 games? Duke, why are you yelling also? What's, what's with the exclamation points? The Brewers are winning. Let's enjoy it. Stop stressing. I can feel the stress through the computer screen. They played 18 games, by the way. My bad. Let's keep talking, Brewers. I appreciate your text. Duke, Dave, everybody, thank you. Let's keep this conversation going. More Brewers coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Our texter, Duke in lacrosse, has me rattled doing on-air research, citing the Brewers' poor batting average as a team. Let's get, let's get into it. Let's have a chat about the Brewers' batting average. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stall for like 60 seconds until I can get the statistic up that I need. It's the Wisco Sports Show, and my name is Grant Bills, and by God, I hope you're having just a, just a fantastic night. Brewers Sixers. Brewers Sixers. God. Bucks Sixers. Coming up at 6 o'clock, an early game. Welcome, early game. My God, nice to have an early game after this long West Coast road trip. The Brewers have been on late night games. Oh, it's good to have, oh, it's good to have them back uh, early on in the night or something like that. Anyways, I have it in front of me now. Duke texted in and said, uh, the Brewers are hitting 209 as a team. I don't care that they're winning. That's just not going to cut it. It simply won't. Well, Duke, let's take a look at batting average by team across the league. Okay, now I have it in front of me. We have the Boston Red Sox, who lead the league at 285. That's pretty good. And the Red Sox have been playing well. They're 12-7. They're and seven. They're leading their division. But then you start to look down the list. Okay, the Angels are number two. They're hitting 266 as a team. Oh, okay, the Angels are they're third in their division behind the, ugh, behind the Mariners. That's a tough scene. Oh, the Dodgers. Everybody's consensus best team, the Dodgers. Oh, well, they're all the way down at six. That can't be the case. If the Dodgers are historically good, how could, how could they have the sixth best batting average in the league, that, that doesn't make any sense. Let's look a little farther down the league here. Well, St. Louis Cardinals hitting 225. Well, the Cardinals are a pretty good team. Does that mean they're hitting 225? They're not any good. The Brewers are next to last in the league. They're at 209. They're without Yelich, Kane, Wong. Hira is probably more of a negative than a positive right now. I'm going to such lengths to condemn this text because I know this text or Duke. I see you from time to time, and I appreciate you contributing to the show. I don't know if you're trying to get a ruse out of me. You know that I'll just, like, I'll, I'll say the batting average doesn't matter. I just don't care. Like, there are more important statistics. And the fact that the Brewers were able to win three games in San Diego without any of their best hitters, whew, it's got me feeling things. It's got me excited. I don't know if it means anything in the long run. Probably doesn't. It's a long season. But it's exciting, and I enjoy it. 608-796-2558. It's the talk and text line. Twitter, at Wisco Grant, if you want to get involved with the show that way. Will says, Packers trading love and a first-round pick for Trask Jones or even Rondell Moore is the, totally the most Packer thing ever. Now I want this to happen. Yeah, it is a Packers thing. Trading their backup quarterback so they can move up in the first round to go get their, their next backup quarterback. And then, and you know, some Packers fans would probably be all about it. They're like, oh, 
They're always locking down the future. You know, flipped them for value. Flip them for value. Something like that. I would I would hate it. I think I might have a stroke if that happened. Let's hear from Brent Suter a little bit. Brent Suter's very well spoken, and he's very environmentally conscious. So I thought Earth Day, good day to hear from Brent Suter, the Harvard man that he is. The uh, anti-plastic waste guy that he is. You always see him with his refillable water bottle in the dugout. Something I've always appreciated. Brent Suter asked about just kind of the state of the Brewers. Depth stepping up, the starting rotation playing great, the bullpen playing, playing great. Like, hey, Brent, just, you know, give us a rundown. I think it does a lot. Um, and I'm just the guys who are stepping up, coming up, you know, Billy McKenney's, the Tyrone Taylor's coming up with big swings, huge plays in the field. It's awesome. It's what a team does. It's what a good team needs to have happen. Our guys stepping up into roles that, you know, they might not have been projected for out of the gates, or but to have guys fill in for the guys on the shelf, it bodes well for our team going forward. You go into the series, and you think, okay, well, if the Brewers are going to win the series or sweep in San Diego, you're going to have to get big performances from Yelich, Wong, Kane, Hero, Jackie Bradley Jr., all these guys. Brewers scored three runs in game one. Three solo shots, Luis Urias, Billy McKinney, and Tyrone Taylor. Game two, Brewers scored six runs. McKinney, Shaw, Narvaez, Jace Peterson. Scored four runs yesterday. Jace Peterson and Narvaez, again. That's nuts. That's not even like the depth players. Depth players are like the five, six, seven hitters stepping up. So like Narvaez, Hira, and when healthy, right? Kane's probably down there. Or Wong. I mean, this isn't depth players. This is the depth player behind the depth player who's stepping up. Jace Peterson, I was texting with a friend the other day who really knows the Brewers well, works in radio as well. He's like, man, is Jace Peterson one of the worst Brewers? Like the last couple of years, he might be one of their worst players. Neglecting to mention our friend Nate Orf or Brad Miller. Two other guys that just really didn't unfortunately cut the mustard. Jace Peterson, that guy's scoring runs. Okay. Brent Suter asked about the bullpen, right? Talks about how the relievers feed off the energy that the starters provide, and it's a good one-two punch going from starter to reliever. The pitching staff's got a good thing going. Far from Corbin, but I mean, it... It's, we're not going to lie that out there watching the starters dominate. It's firing up everybody and one, uh, you know, making everybody better. And, you know, the way they're setting the tone for the games, for the series, everything, it's, uh, it trickles down to everybody. And uh, the bullpen, we're definitely feeding off them. And uh, we're glad to see them turning outing after outing like that. It's certainly better to enter a game in a position of strength, right? Corbin Burns throws six shutout innings or seven shutout innings. And the Brewers are up 3 nothing, And Brent Suter's running into the game. Probably a different feeling as opposed to, let's say, Adrian Hauser, who leaves the game in the fourth inning. Three runners on, only one out. Oh, and Brent Suter's got to come in now? Makes it makes a big difference. Coming in from a position of strength rather than being on your heels immediately when you step onto the mound. That makes a big difference. And although Brent Suter isn't a starting pitcher, I think the performance of the bullpen relievers, I think they feed off of those starting pitchers for sure. Brent Suter asked then about J.P. Fire Eisen, the River Falls guy. J.P. River Falls Fire Eisen and his performance. He had a great outing, made a couple huge pitches yesterday. That was me, man. That would give me such a good confidence boost going in, knowing that, you know, I'm not going to face many situations more difficult than that, uh, more higher leverage than that, and to come through like that. Big pitch after big pitch. It's incredible. Uh, but he's been doing it all year, including the spring. You know, he's just turned on to, to a different level.